This podcast is not meant to be informative or educational and has the potential to be completely irrelevant. This is Property Jam. And welcome to this next episode of Property Jam, the podcast where we talk about everything on the human side of property. And today um, we are down a man, we're man down. Niall is still away on holiday. How dare he? I know. But we have replaced him with a much better looking, uh, (laughs) better looking presenter. We're here with uh, Samuel Hemmings of Hemco. So welcome, Sam or Samuel uh, we, you say Sam to your friend, so I'm, I'm going to call you Samuel. Um, so, <laughs> so, uh, so welcome. Tell us a little bit about yourself and um, why and um, what you're up to in property. Perfect. Thanks, thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me on. Um, so yeah, I'm uh, I'm Samuel. Live in uh, Amsterdam, originally from uh, the UK. Been living here for uh, four and a half years with my now wife and our uh, three three year old son. Uh, who's teaching us Dutch, uh, which is great. Um, so we we first got into property in uh, so 2008. I bought my first property uh, when I was uh, studying as a student. Saved up my uh, my loan and um, bought my first. It was a, a student HMO, but rent, uh, renting out to a, a friend's uh, brother and his uh, and his uh, friends at Worcester University. Um, did I you? Did, well, I'll just guess. Did you buy your first property? using yeah. student loan yes i absolutely love it yeah like yeah. that's the best start to a podcast i think ever you know yeah that's okay. amazing. <laughs> yeah i think i'm pretty sure i saw later that martin lewis recommends if if, if you can do that that's that's the best use of uh of, of your student loan uh if you if you can uh, i bought yeah. keyboards yeah <laughs> and when traveling yeah um alternatively known as liabilities but uh, yeah there we are. You were smart, Sam. Crack on. <laughs> I tried. I tried. Yeah. Um, uh, so I've worked in op- operations uh, for uh, 12 years now. Uh, previously worked for companies like Amazon. Since I moved to the Netherlands, I've worked more in uh, startups and building uh, building the operations across across Europe. In terms of property, uh, since meeting my wife, Millie, we've we've um, realized that we're both interested in in the end goal of of really being kind of uh, time rich and uh, and that's that's kind of what our, our focus is now that we've got a young family and so we've been investing together um and in during the pandemic we kind of really had a, a reset to focus on what our goals are and that's where we um ultimately kind of ran into our last project where we did about six months in a, a spreadsheet to decide, okay, well, uh, what's what's the next place going to be? We're not tied to a single location in uh, in the UK. We took 130 university towns down to 20 and then 10, and then took that ultimately down to a, a top six to, to land on our next investment area. And now that's where we're really kind of uh, doubling down and um, student HMOs is what we're focused on uh, based on that uh, original uh, analysis. Where are you? Which are you going to name and shame your patch? It's a secret. I can't tell you. No, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's one that you probably don't hear most people talk about, which is uh, Huddersfield. So it's not, yeah, it's not, it's not the most sexiest. It, it probably won't end up on the kind of the top five for 2023 or, or, or 2024, but 
Um, in terms of our goals and uh, and the analysis we did, um, it's it's fully fully aligned to ultimately the structure that we use to uh, rank all of those markets um, to kind of have an objective number in terms of payback periods and um, buying in um, rates. Um, that that came out on on top um, for us. So fantastic! Oh, good. Amazing. Another one in the student market. That's yeah. lovely to hear. I, I love being in the student market, don't you? Don't you think it's wonderful? I do, yeah. And I, well, I, I just think in terms of, uh, if I think back to when I was a student, I definitely didn't live in anything <laughs> nearly as nice as what, as, what, as what we put on the market. Now we've got a son, I'd be happy for him to live in you know, our, our, our properties. But I mean, I lived in houses that didn't even have central heating uh, when I was a student, so. Wow. Yeah. 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 Amazing, yeah. Huddersfield is is one of my old stumping grounds. Right. As, a, as, as a child, um, I was, um, used to be used to live in Wakefield, and my parents moved to Huddersfield um, after for a few years um, after I'd left home. So I used to go back and visit them, and um, and so yeah, I I do know it well. Also, the home of uh, Jean Luc Picard. Mm-hmm. Brandon, yeah. that you know I that know. Patrick Stewart. Yeah, I think he's still uh, the Chancellor of the Huddersfield University. <laughs> um, so he's from he's from there um that's the summer wine home firth yeah okay I've got, a lot of game, got, got a lot of game for it you know i've never yeah. been there i've never been to Huddersfield, <laughs> so maybe i'll well, have to well you say that joe we did we actually didn't so kind of the, the what i didn't tell you was doing all of that research we we'd never been to huddersfield <laughs> and the first time i stepped foot in huddersfield was three <laughs> days before tenants moved into our first, uh, oh. our first project there so, wow so you so, actually invested and sourced deals and did run all the numbers and you know had your power team in place at a distance like you were just in Amsterdam doing the whole yeah, thing yeah never never spent so much time on kind of google uh <laughs> like street street viewer looking um and really yeah. kind of testing that hands-off uh uh um approach you know ourselves so wow so, 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 so being um uh, abroad and having that hands-off approach did you find yeah, did you do everything yourself? Did you find the property? Did you find the teams? Or did you find someone to be a representative on the ground and then they did that on your behalf? So how did you manage that? I think there's a lot of people trying to invest even at a distance when they're based in the UK, exactly. let alone when they're outside of the UK. So how did you manage that process? Yeah, well, we um, we, knew, we knew it'd be tough, but we we wanted to have those those relationships. And so we, we wanted to build those. We didn't want to, we knew we'd kind of already be a separation apart because maybe we need a project manager and those added elements of not being able to nip around the corner. You have, you've got to pay for viewings. So, you know, you're already spending money before you've even got a property um, agreed. Um, but but we wanted to have those relationships. So I, I, I found everybody that we, that we work with and most of them came through recommendations, but you... You do have to kiss a few few frogs to find uh, to find your uh, prince or princess. Amazing uh, how many, how many um, frogs look like builders, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so true. 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 Yeah. Yeah. It's quite it's no small thing though. It's quite an achievement to uh, to do what you've done at a distance. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, I, I mean, did you? you say you were on google like the whole time i mean did you just find that morning till night you were just in front of a laptop and on the phone is that kind of how it was yeah yeah i mean it really when i say kind of i spent six months in a spreadsheet i literally spent six months in a spreadsheet and going between right move to look at all of these markets and then as i got down to that final six it was 
really trying to do as much of a deep dive, but obviously deep dive as far as the laptop will go. Um, so all of that, as you guys know, there isn't a report that gives you exactly the right numbers that you want. And then I can't just rely on an, on one report. I, I need to test it and verify it myself. And yeah. so all of that manual of, okay, everything that's for sale on the market, what's been sold in the last 12 months, what are rooms renting at? Um, to really that get that. sounds like you're a little bit of a control freak or spreadsheet um <laughs> yeah monkey i don't know which which how would you describe yourself there uh I, I wouldn't i'm definitely not not the best with uh um spreadsheets uh but <laughs> i would say i took it, it's obviously i think when you become a parent you you realize that okay if you're if you're dealing with you know a nest egg you're planning for the future the you know the the, the pressure that 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 builds you you want to make sure you're making the right the right decision and our, and our plan at the time this was 2022 was that okay we're, our, our investment pot would only go so far and we'd be then working with investors i want to know and be able to sleep at night that everything i've done and tested is verified before we then take on um, um investors uh and so that was the kind of the mindset of okay this isn't this isn't going to be a half job and it's got to be um fully fully fleshed out and uh, and, and we're not there to pick up the pieces so um, I, I was just going to say that if, if anything, that extra level of due diligence must have come about because you were at a distance, mm -hmm. not in spite. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Because you're like, we can't, there's no wiggle room here. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Makes complete sense. Wow. So, so then you found somewhere and then secured the deal, tenants moved in, and then you thought, bugger it, let's have a trip to Huddersfield. <laughs> let's go and basically, see the thing basically. Yeah. yeah yeah well i think i think once uh obviously travel was was difficult through the pandemic but then we really wanted oh. to push that as far as we could in terms of okay the lifestyle that we want it, it might be in amsterdam it might be in, in another in another country and so what we don't want to do is fully replace our our jobs um with another job and so what we were trying to do was see okay how far could we uh, push that by by being completely hands off and kind of build the the process and the documentations as 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 we go so that we could do it um you know again and again cookie cutter um but it was the yeah i think uh, three days before I, I just wanted to be on the ground for when the, the the photos were being taken we did some video um i just wanted to see it before they before they moved in um but yeah i don't i don't own, own a set of keys to the house um and uh, yeah <laughs> I love it. It's so great. true. I, would, I wouldn't know how to get into most of my houses. Yeah. Yeah. So, <clears throat> that's yeah. probably the best, the actually. I think my, <laughs> builders, my, builders always, my builder always ends up most of the keys. Like, he just seems to just hold on to them and collect them. So, yeah. Do your tenants know that? Nah. <laughs> nah, it's fine. He just lets himself in overnight and just wanders around, helps himself to the fridge. You know, it's fine. Fine. He doesn't do that, yeah. listeners. It's fine. It's fine. Nah, well, it's um... Yeah, I think it's like Sam. So every guest we have on, we always ask them the same question. Um, mm -hmm. So what does the human side of property mean to you? So I've I've kind of broken it down into th uh, th three different areas for me. Um, and so I think the, the first element is what we think of in terms of our, our tenants. And, and being parents now, we we really use our son as the kind of guiding. Would we be happy for our son to be to be in one of our our spaces? And, and we've seen some terrible properties, you know, whether they're professional HMOs or or students. And 
and, and that's the side that I think gives our industry the you know bad a bad name. Um, so we really want to do the right the right thing, and we know that that that, that costs more. But ultimately, there are humans that are living in our in our in our houses, and we want them to feel safe and and protected, um, and, and and want to be there, want want it to be an environment that they that they want to be in. Um, I think the second is that ultimately everyone says that property is a, a people business. And I, I think you could probably say that about most industries, unless you're dealing with, I don't know, software and you know, you're completely separate to ultimately, you know, um, your, your customer, but I think property more than uh, any other is it's about relationships. And if you look at our situation, we rely on again, people to, to be doing work for us and so that that's got to be win-win that the um we we don't want to be over leveraging we want it to, we want to build long-term relationships with these people because we we rely on them to be the ones to do viewings to give us the correct me measurements to be able to price up effectively trust them um so we um that's that's the the, the second i mean i think just in terms of like-minded people with we, we then in terms of the people i've met through through property and kind of our network now and the mastermind that I'm kind of um, a part of with friends of mine that are doing um, uh, the same the same thing. I think I just love the people that are that are, that are in in this uh, industry and I, I, out of the the many industries that I have worked in, I think most people are really open to sharing um, and 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 helping people up, which I, I don't really see in in other industries. Don't get me wrong, there's obviously a lot of people that are. Maybe you know, looking to take advantage, and you know, there's there's definitely that that side. But I think I more often um, than not in the circles that that I know, I just see people that are ultimately trying to you know either lift people up with them or kind of drag them behind them, um, and and that's th then the the kind of way that I I approach people around me as well. Love it. That's great. It's so interesting. You're giving, Especially... that, yeah, you're giving that some thought. Yeah, giving that some yeah, thought. That's, yeah, that's broken down. That was well, broken I, down. I, I take the question seriously. I know. I know you. Uh, you ask every time. So. That's yeah, lovely. <laughs> but you. Um. Yeah, I think. I think the fact that you, you. You kind of highlighted those those elements is also again exaggerated by the fact that you are not on the ground especially the, the the people element and the helping each other up. I mean, I presume your mastermind is made up of people who are UK based, but doing the same thing as you, or is it actually a whole bunch of internationals as well? Uh, no, most, mostly all, all UK. Yeah. Right, randomly, okay. There is one that is also from the UK and lives about a mile away from me in, uh, in Amsterdam, but we, yeah. No way. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, everybody else is either, you know, investing in their market or, or, or close by maybe an hour, hour and a half maximum. So. Cool. I see. So I suppose that's always good to have that resilience. So um, have, you, have you ever had to make a phone call to one of your your mastermind friends in the UK saying, I'd need someone to go and, and make sure that this is done or that this has been done or that th this problem's sort of fixed? And yeah, have you ever had to do that? Yes, yeah, so, so far not. There was, a, there was definitely a time when uh, we, we had a house in uh, um, Northampton before we did we did this work and my, my brother lives there and was a time when I was I was about to make that call, but then uh, luckily uh, managed to resolve it with the uh, with with the agents. So yeah, try try where we're we're learning on every every project. So try and you know, really take those those learnings forward. So we hopefully don't have to rely on the people away from our kind of core core team. That's good. That's good. And I have a question that's sort of related, but also not. Like hmm? why Amsterdam? Like why why did you choose to live there? Yeah, so we actually, 
it, it was never on our on our list. Probably at the time I was working at Amazon and uh, was kind of reaching that two year threshold where most people either they're in it for forever or they're you know they've they've kind of had enough. And and I was definitely on the the right side and had had, had enough. Um, learned learned a lot. Great company, but just just really wanted um, a bit of freedom and in operations, the, the the control element that they just you know rolled out with standardization meant that you weren't uh, able to be creative anymore. So uh, a headhunter just reached out to me, um, and uh, there was a, a startup um, micro mobility, something that I'd never worked on before. But this this role kind of came up where I was setting up an office here, and it was going to cover the EMEA region and they just wanted uh, somebody to set up um, operations and so that it was really the kind of what exactly what I was looking for at that time of what's the complete opposite to Amazon starting from the ground up and um, building a team taking you know kind of really an idea and trying to actually put it into action on the on the ground so I think it was just kind of timing um, yeah now we're here we love it but it definitely wasn't you know number one on the list I think I wanted somewhere with a bit more sun and uh, maybe uh maybe a beach but maybe in the future nice well speaking of sun and beach i've just booked my flights for bali next year oh lovely I, when are you going because i'm in bali next year what, what dates may june oh no i'm there in september oh well we'll miss each other but looking forward to it nonetheless Woohoo! Mm -hmm. but yeah. going back to uh amsterdam so um no what was it no 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 going back to what you do what is micro mobility? I felt I just nodded <laughs> like I knew what that was. I don't. <laughs> so it's um, it, it's basically um, imagine within a, a it, it, scooter sharing was basically what I was what I was doing. So we oh. were looking at that kind of last mile journey of maybe you get a train into the city, but you've yeah. got a meeting somewhere. You could oh. uh, jump on a scooter and, uh, and and just unlock it with an app and then leave it wherever you're. Part. so that was kind of what we were working on and then it was bike sharing and then ultimately retail um after that that makes a lot more sense i've just moved to bristol they are the micro mobility hub of the world i swear because right. every fucker is on a scooter it drives yeah. me nuts uh -huh. like, but i was just... last <laughs> i say last time i was in bristol because you, you have the, the electric scooters you can you can hire yeah uh, probably were involved in i don't know but um there's these two lads or three two or three lads at probably on a stag do uh, <laughs> and they just come down the hill and, you know bristol a few hills yeah. um came down the hill at speed and then we were walking um down this hill and we were walking uh, down another a different one we said we're about to come up and they tried to go up this this hill on these scooters and this hill was like this and they got <laughs> up about like 50 meters and then the scooter started rolling back <laughs> and these, these like e-scooters were just like <laughs> no chance it's so funny. My partner was on a scooter the other night and his best mate jumped on and they'd had a few beers and um, they got to a hill, had exactly the same challenge. The scooter was like, I can't do this anymore. So my partner continued to, to, to crack on. His mate ran up the hill and then jumped back onto the back of the scooter as they were going down the hill, but mucked up the jump and broke his ankle. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Idiot. On a, on a slightly different note, it's, um... And my daughter has also just, has just turned three and um, she got a bike for her birthday and on uh, the first cycling to nursery decided to kind of just like <clears throat> get around in a circle and then came off. Oh, she no. had a, a first biking accident, first scraped knee. Um, we need to get back on that bicycle very soon. 
yeah definitely we've got to get back on that horse Mm. that's fascinating and I do think I mean you know it's it's definitely convenience people people love that that little mini mode of transport don't they it's really popular yeah yeah absolutely it was kind of uh, especially 2018 it was a real novelty at the time I think people saw them and they were genuinely interested okay what is this and then blocking and then you, you would find that people weren't using the necessary to to commute to work or go to a meeting they were just unlocking them for a ride they just wanted to um yeah have a bit of fun so great it's cool so you're continuing to do to to do your work and 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 sort of keep going with that startup whilst you're investing in property at a distance as well as being a parent yeah yeah try trying brilliant (laughs) (laughs) try yeah (laughs) The, the, the aim is obviously that this, uh, yeah, that, that kind of, uh, the plate can't continue to be that, that full and kind of yeah. working, uh, yeah, seven days a week for startups, uh, at the same time as doing, uh, doing, um, property and, and, the you know, some time for, for private life. So, sure. um, that's, that, that, that's really the goal to be able to at least, um, step away from, from work and then just be a bit more free because, you know, everyone says passive, we know it's not fully fully passive and but but being able to maybe pick and choose a bit more of where i where i spend my time that's the that's the goal for sure brilliant yeah. great so I, th- I think you may have come prepared with a question for us mm-hmm. i do I've, I've actually got two if that's if that's okay uh, that's uh cheeky. Ooh, that cheeky bit cheeky but go on then. i love <laughs> it i'm all for yeah. it i mean i mean I'm, i might veto one of them if, if okay uh, Okay. I just love that he's a little rule breaker. That is great. <laughs> just make make your own rules. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, what's the what's the best advice you've ever been given? Oh God. Oh God, such a big question. <laughs> um. In, oh, because that that covers quite a lot of. That could be for anything. It's open. Yeah. Open. Yeah. If you can't mm. be, if you can't be good, be careful. <laughs> I think just to set the tone. <laughs> I, I think I think mine's my mum actually. Um she is a very uh wise lady, my mum, very emotionally intelligent. And she said, uh, never assume anybody thinks the same way you do. And I think what that does is it makes you realize that even though you can have empathy and you can have compassion as a human that you can't ever assume that the lens you see something through is the same as somebody else so you always have to listen to somebody else to understand their worldview in order to move forward with something um you know even if it's just at a really small level but certainly in business I think um yeah and I, I mean I was th- I always think of builders <laughs> you know when it comes to that because how a builder sees something is certainly not how I see something and we're very different like that and I've there's been tension in the past around stuff like that so yeah I think that's probably some of the best advice I've ever been given I, I was um I can't remember where I where I read it but it, it was something similar lines of you will if, if you try and put your shoes in somebody's situation, you, if you'd had, if you'd been the same person, had the same experiences, you would be reacting in the same way. And so those situations where you just can't see eye to eye with someone, 
you kind of step away and actually realize if, if you were that person with their experience you would be reacting in the same way exactly. so that really helps I think yeah that's exactly it love it yeah but you Matt damn by my first one <laughs> you can't be um, good be <laughs> I I it's 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 a tricky one like you get so much advice you know, don't invest in Huddersfield, probably the uh, oh, yeah. advice I've, I've ever got. Yeah. Um, Never invest if you've not seen the property or been oh. like all, all, all of that stuff. <laughs> like always always get a survey, you know. Um, <laughs> only, only research five, yeah. Don't research five towns. Um, <laughs> the thing that I think it pops into my head is around business growth and something which you probably have had to do being at a distance is about bringing in a team before you think you need them. So you, if you're building for growth, you need to, and it's probably the same, like your day-to-day with your startup because you're constantly balancing um, probably businesses which don't have too much in the way of turnover, um, especially with a property, it has no turnover. So you're budgeting that. And you know, it, as much as we love HMOs, each HMO on itself is not life-changing. It's it's a combination of properties which, which makes life-changing income. Um, so to then to get your first HMO and realise, actually, I probably need to spend most of this cash flow on growing my business rather than taking it myself um, was a bit of a shock. Yeah, okay, hmm, I need to reinvest that. Yeah, it's great to see the bank com- coming into the bank, but now I've got to pay an accountant, a uh, finance person, a project manager i've got to you know give half of you know, most of it to viewer i've got to give it to um all these different other people that uh, are ways that you're looking to grow your business so that's probably a piece of advice that i was given very early on is is bring in the people well before you think you need them um to enable you to grow so so picture your business two years from now and who do you need in your business two years from now and get them today yeah yeah that's good actually you may that's linked to another piece of advice that someone once said to me that's jill fielding those of you that have heard of jill fielding i was on the phone to her this morning actually so jill's very much in my brain it was something she said back in 2015 when i first started to learn about property and she said only do the things that you can do i think she says only do only the things that only you can do that only you can do exactly that and it it, because you know with property there's so many different moving parts to it and you can't really do it on your own you have to kind of pick the bit where your skill set talent and interest lies because that's the bit that you will excel at and then you have to learn to let go and delegate the rest of it to others who can move those parts forward and that's not easy to do um but it's necessary right yeah. yeah i think you go you go faster in in the in the long run ultimately because if yes. you are that one kind of bottleneck and you and you're not an expert in those areas then ultimately you you kind of you go slower or you make you make mistakes that are more costly in the, in the long run i think and get stressed yeah super stressed because it's just yeah. not what you like doing so you resent yeah. it yeah what about you what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given sam Ooh. Oh, we uh, didn't expect that. Touche. I haven't got that written down. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just I can just see behind the camera you've got the auto cue. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You've got on the script. Yeah. 
<laughs> Let's go off script, Mr. Hemmings. We'll just, we'll just pause while I type into chat GPT. Yes. There's no pausing and there's no editing. You know, property jam. It goes <laughs> as raw as it comes in. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I think for me, it, it's um, there's probably a couple of areas that kind of shaped me early early on as when I was at, at, at school and, and just people that I met. Um, and so one was around um, find something that you're really passionate about. And, and 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 do that and um and for some people that maybe they don't even know how you know that's 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 going to be a living or or um could ever support them but i think in terms of if you look at how everybody is now constantly chasing this you know i want to i want to be happy i want to you know i've got a certain lifestyle i want I, I want to live i think really just finding your 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 passion because then ultimately working hard on something that you're passionate about it's it, it's not really work if you if you um um enjoy it um and then on a more practical side i think just 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 learning um you know how how mortgages work and and um um how to manage my personal finances before i then started businesses um myself um and and that really came down to you know a couple of kind of friends dads of mine that had had businesses and just me being that annoying kid that would come up and just ask questions because i was curious um but but I think that's that's kind of advice that I you know if people ever ask me how do you get started, I always ask you know personal questions about their finances, which people get super uncomfortable with. But if if they're in their overdraft every month, I definitely wouldn't suggest that the, uh, you know starting a business is is wise. Um, working with investors, absolutely not. If you can't imagine you know if you can't manage a small pot of personal money, then um, um, don't don't start a business and don't try and use other people's uh, money um yeah yeah it makes complete sense Ooh. great so what's the other question i'm dying to know <laughs> well it, I, I don't know if matt kind of already slightly answered it but it was um it was around what do you wish you uh, when you first started so what what do you know now that you wish you'd known when you first started out uh in mm. i stand by my first answer your first first answer what if you can't you can't, you can't say that that doesn't sound right um, um so we've had variations on this question before yeah. um what advice would you give you if you're starting again um and the answer i gave is pretty similar um flip property from the beginning mm. don't just buy it and hold it and i was taught um to buy and hold buy and hold buy and hold Oh, that's what I thought I was being taught. And because we work with other people's money, um, we bought a lot of property, we held a lot of property. But, um, you know, you realise actually that doesn't create lots of capital events. You have lots of cash flow, but, you know, if you suddenly need to find 100K, you know, if you don't have something lined up to come in to give you 100K, you, you, you then, yeah, because I feel like there's two sides of, cash flow there's the you know the, 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 you know the waves which is the everyday money coming in and then you've got the storms which is the capital maybe it's a really, really bad analogy um of, the, of that capital yeah there's lump sums which come in so you, you have those capital events and you've got the income so you can stay it's like you talked about your personal finances you need to sustain your business first and you've got cash coming in 
and you got a first HMO, a second HMO, and that's sustaining your your speculating on new projects and you're going out there and then and you get a flip and you know 50 grand all of, all of a sudden you know that in six months time you're gonna have 50 grand in the bank or 30 grand in the bank or you know however much it's going to be and then you can start to you know budget a bit better and you can say well i know i'm going to have that money coming in it's going to help towards that refurb you know i no longer need to borrow that money over there i can i can do this i can move things around and and uh, and building up a, a base of income and capital with income being slightly ahead so you got the income first so two three four projects and then start flipping and have that have those capital events um or doing things like i suppose like um lump sums come from other things as well don't they potentially sourcing projects from doing assisted sales from lease options from planning gain that type of stuff yeah that, that's really where we're focused right now in, um, and t- taking a slightly different tack still doing hmos of course i never stop but you know hmo addict over here mm. West <laughs> um and then um hashtag hmo addict it's <laughs> created a hashtag over there love it i have yes um so 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 yeah um that's probably me definitely um, me definitely <laughs> you that's good it's those are wise words and uh, do you know i think one thing i notice nowadays with students when they're starting out and i'm teaching them is they think there's just one way to do property right there's like that one answer it's either black or it's white and i think if somebody Every, said, everything's an hmo isn't it surely everything's an HMO. you know i can't look at a floor plan and go hmm four bedrooms hmm, seven bedrooms hmm, yeah. eight bedrooms hmm. yeah 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 I, can't, I literally it's very hard for me to go how many flats can I get out of this or how yeah. many houses or yeah anyway there's sorry. no one answer is it there's a no. there's always variables and there's always different and that this is another thing everybody has a very different lived experience of property so you might ask the same question to like five different investors and they're all going to have a very different answer and I think what I wish I'd known at the start is yes very much trust the process trust the process that you're taught because you know there are fundamentals the the essential kind of mechanics of of our industry but the second part of that is trust yourself trust yourself to make decisions based on what's right for you and the specific context that you are faced with because every property project is different like you were saying earlier sam like you know every hmo you've done you know it's presented a new set of learnings a new set of challenges that you then carry forward into the next one and that is going to be different for every single human being and every single project that you do because of the specificities of the of the of the, of the project so yeah I think I should have trusted myself a little bit more in the early days because I was just like am I doing it the right way mm-hmm. you know you're yeah. doing it your way you're exactly. doing it the Joe way Ah, yeah baby the light way the light foot way the light foot way and I think that comes with a little bit of time and experience and knowledge and cutting your teeth and all that stuff so yeah uh, I try and teach that to students now from the jump it's like this is what I wish I'd known you know Mm. that actually you'll figure it out and trust yourself to do that yeah I think everyone everyone wants a shortcut don't they whether it's losing weight or you know getting started in, in property they they want to jump that first bit and so um they don't want to sit in a spreadsheet for six months that doesn't sound very exciting does it and uh yeah maybe, right. I, I i still quite like a shortcut 
you know I'm what, seven though? years in and I still wish I had a shortcut. Uh, but yeah. I think, but we also know the reality of it. I just think that's the biggest problem that faces people today when committing to a pathway of property is they want the shortcut and, you know, uh, you, you've got to graft, you've got to commit, you've got to make changes, you've got to see it through. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. And you've got to change your mind. That's the biggest thing. You've got to change your, you, know, you make, have to make a decision. So if you want to lose weight, you have to change your mind that actually this is now what I'm going to do. Um, and you have to, and what happens is generally incremental changes that have the the impact. Um, yeah, that's one of the quotes I really like. What is it, Joe? It's one we used to use in presentations um, about a compound effect. Oh, yeah, I know it. Um... It's a Darren Hardy quote, isn't it? Commitment is is um, doing the thing you said you were going to do long after the mood you said it in has left you. That'll do. <laughs> I, I, quite, I, I, I don't think it was what I was looking for, but yeah, it has the same sentiment. Mm. Um, so you get all excited. You're like, yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to start it tomorrow. And yeah. you wake up and you're like, oh, can't be bothered. But yes, that's good. Also, everyone think. You said about being like perfect as well. Also realize that not every project is is going to be perfect. In fact, it'll be far from it. And you're going to have these these road bumps. But yes, yeah. it's, it's like any other business. Um, there's there's risks involved. There's challenges, and you just need to, you know, have a strategy for them uh, and deal with them one by one because uh, yes. they're always going to yeah. come. There's no perfect uh, project out there. So true. Oh, no. <laughs> and you know what? Getting something eighty percent done is half half the battle. Yeah. yeah. In fact, most of the results will be in the first 80% of your work. And the last 20% sometimes doesn't really matter. That's true. And I actually think perfectionists don't make very good property investors. Um, <laughs> you know, because you do sweat the small stuff way too much. And yeah, it's where you know, you do get that analysis paralysis and where you you're putting value in things that actually are just not worth it. Your time would be better spent, you know, looking to the next thing um and getting it getting it done, not getting it perfect. Yeah, that yeah. is for sure. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Right, shall we play God, a game? we're wise. We are I know. so wise. Oh. <laughs> shall, shall we play game episode roulette? Joe? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so for listeners who are, this is your first time tuning in, the way episode roulette is, works is we have a guest on and uh, one of us will scroll through previous episodes of Property Jam and whatever title we land on when the guest has said stop, we will read out that title and they have to share their human perspective on that topic. So they don't need to know the episode. They just have to have a view on what was talked about. So Sam, I'm going to start scrolling through episodes. And when you're ready, my friend, you can say stop. Stop. Okay. So, oh, interesting. <laughs> okay. Episode 158. How not to choose a mentor. Now, have you ever been mentored in the past? I have, yeah. I've, I've got a mentor right now, yeah. Right, okay. And, I mean, there was obviously criteria that you probably had in your mind about what would make a good mentor, but what what in your mind? Six months and uh, a thousand spreadsheets, I think it was. Yeah. <laughs> Move to Amsterdam and invest abroad. Yeah. That's what he said. Um, Live in Amsterdam, never seen a project, never been perfect. to the... So, but, but, like, what 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 was it that kind of, what puts you off a mentor? What draws you to a mentor? Yeah. So we, that was, um, it, it was a, a key one for us because I'd, I'd, I'd read a lot of books. I'd been to a lot of free courses. I never, uh, I never, um, uh, spent, spent money on a, on a course, but I knew 
even with the years of reading, research, et cetera, and doing single lets, I knew that at that flipping point to HMOs, I didn't know at all. And so what I took on at that point was we needed a mentor and we needed somebody who, who had been there and was a few years ahead of where, where we were. And that, that investment would ultimately mean that in the long run, if, they, if they'd made 100 mistakes, that's hopefully 100 less mistakes that we're, that we're going to make. Um, so that was what I was um, what I was looking for. And I knew that they might not necessarily be exactly the same situation as us of being expats, living, living abroad and, uh, and, and investing. But I was looking for somebody who'd been there, done it um, and, and really proof of concept so that we could kind of follow in their, in their footsteps. And I'd say to anyone kind of either just getting started or even if they've done a few and they're not quite making the progress that they want to, that's exactly what a mentor can do. Is just find somebody who's even 18 months, two years ahead. Um, and I and, and I really think that that will help speed up their 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 journey. I would agree. 100 percent as an HMO mentor. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, should we go for one more? One quick quick last quick fire round. Okay, right. I am scrolling, Sam. So stop when you're ready. Stop. Okay. <laughs> okay. Episode 123, Vendor Drama, Cats, Cannabis and Cool Girls. So really, this one was about funny tenant stories or things that have gone wrong in your houses that you would have never seen coming. Have you ever had really weird tenant stories? Actually, touch wood, we've, we've not had super weird uh, scenarios to, to date. Um, nothing like what I've heard. So, you know, some of the, your your guests um, talk about. We, we've definitely had some weird vendors recently. Oh yeah. Uh, to the point where we recently dropped a uh, a project because this vendor, um, who's, who's slightly well known uh, in in uh, actually in the Huddersfield area, but I won't won't name their name, uh -huh. uh, wanted us to transfer a thousand pounds to their personal account. Um, otherwise, they wouldn't. Um, wouldn't accept our, our our offer oh uh, wow that's proper brown envelope stuff i love it yeah so it really really wasn't uh wasn't expecting that but oh yeah wow that still well, goes on apparently <laughs> oh, it does i'm surprised it, it was going to be transferred to a bank account yes exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I had a conversation with an agent in portsmouth who said that she still gets people turning up in big cars parking right outside her office with a an envelope of cash and saying give me a give me your next deal Oh, uh, you next this, next that, and she's just like, no, go away. Yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah absolutely this, crazy. This, this, this could say there's still old school landlords that will do that with council officers as well. You know, they're like, oh, don't worry about fire safety, HMO mm -hmm. officer. Here's a little brown envelope. Take that. Have a nice little holiday, and let's say no more about it. Can you imagine? Yeah. Oh yeah. dear. Yeah. No. No, it's not good. But then again, I think the UK property industry is also one of the most still quite corrupt, I believe. Right. Is that true? I don't know. I'm just put, putting stats out of it. It is now. It is now because yeah. you said it. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Disprove me. No, I, I think there's, um, quite, yeah, they're crap, crap, uh, crapping, crap. <laughs> clamping clamping that's, that's my baby brain so unfortunately joe after the baby comes the baby brain doesn't disappear oh, gosh. it continues um 
Um, probably a test you maybe let's say with just one three-year-old but three-year-old and a six-month-old yeah. um changes changes the dramatic the dramatic <laughs> worth See, it, he's still dynamic. Doing it. <laughs> a dynamic the dramatic my goodness that's like word aphasia anyway what was i saying oh, no, <laughs> I, I think we've I think we've lost you somewhere to a dark place the whole industry's corrupt yeah oh yes the industry the industry's corrupt yes there's a lot of money laundering going on that's why they clamped down so much on anti-money laundering in the uk is because it is seen as a bit of it's a safe haven it's yeah. a very safe place for for people to put money because the uk property market is so stable and that's an interesting thing just to say because everyone's like oh property price is about to drop yeah maybe three to five percent maybe five percent worst case scenario i don't know ten percent and but you compare that to other other countries, other cities, you know, you could drop eighty percent and never recover. Yeah. Um, so it, yeah, and other assets as well. Like UK property is one of the safest things to put their money into. That's why um, money is they try and clean money through the property you know, property industry. And I'm sure there are lots of dirty lawyers out there that are allowing these things to happen. Mm. Yeah. Um, still. Um, but yeah but let's end on a positive note it's still a great yeah. place to invest in um whether you are in the uk same, it's the same reason abroad. it's the same reason to invest in the uk for us as yes. it is for the for the uh for the crime lords because <laughs> and ladies <laughs> uh, because it's such a stable property market so you so say when you decide something today it'll be yeah it'll be fine in four, two years time in five years time yeah, yeah. don't buy new builds yeah yeah just yeah no no brilliant cool well thank you very much uh sam for joining us here today on property jam and if people want to reach out to you how can they get in touch uh so we've uh probably best place is instagram so we're hemco uh property um sorry properties and uh our, we've got a website as well which is also hemco properties, properties. fantastic it. well it's been a pleasure um so from me it's goodbye it's a goodbye from me and last but not least it's a goodbye from me jam with us on social media where you can hear more and see more on facebook search property jam podcast or you can follow us on instagram at property jam podcast or you can email us at property jam podcast at outlook.com see, see you, you on the next, next episode, episode.